Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. And this is Waddle and Sylvie, WMVP, WSHE, HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Phone number to reach us, 312-332-3776. So the Bears got item number one out of the way. They hired their offensive coordinator. The rest of the staff, besides the offensive line coach, we still don't know. Um, We don't know the quarterback's coach as of now. But Shane Waldron is the new Bears OC. It was an interesting comment, too, that someone uh, tweeted me saying that compare the Bears offensive staff members of last year compared to, say, Mike McDaniel's staff in... Miami, and and as far as we've talked a lot about this with some of our other teams, um, as far as building them out, that I think there were nine members, according to this one tweeter of the Bears offensive staff, compared to Mike McDaniel, who has like thirteen members on his offensive staff. Could, like, is it is it better to have more people? Is more better? Um, can you have too many cooks in the kitchen? Um, but it's an interesting question for some of our reporters, too. If to none see of them are good think. at their jobs, it's not a good thing. <laughs> yes, that's right. You don't want more bad cooks. That's, that's more bad slop. Um, so let's, let's talk to them and see. I did a, a Twitter poll yesterday, and we didn't talk a lot about it. Let me see if I could call up the results here really quick before we get to Courtney. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask our reporters... It's first going to be Courtney, then it's going to be Dion Miller, Patrick Finley, and Mark Potash are the ones who were able to commit. There were a few who could not do it today. We'll get their opinions later um, about if, if the Bears did get it right with the offensive coordinator. And then we want predictions on the record about who will be the starting quarterback for the Bears in 2024. Um, but yesterday, overwhelmingly... There were almost 8,000 votes. Are you happy with the Bears' decision to hire Shane Waldron as the new offensive coordinator? Did you see the results of this, Paul? I did not. What do you think uh, Bears fans voted? How do you think they voted? Are you happy? Almost 8,000. 65% said yes. Tyler, did you see this? I did not. Take a guess. Um, Bears fans in happiness. I'll go 70%. Meller? Ooh, I'm going to say 47%. That's generally what it is. 80.4% said yes, they are happy with the hire. Anybody but Getsy. How about that? People happy with the Shane Waldron hire. So let's bring in Courtney Cronin, who does great work for us. She wrote a great column, too, on ESPN.com. You should check that out today. Um, Courtney, uh, are you satisfied with the process and who they landed on as far as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, the process itself, guys, was very thorough. And I know Matt Eberflus in that statement today said, you know, an exhaustive search. And, I mean, it was. Nine candidates that they interviewed either in person or they went there or did Zoom, what what have you. Like, that's really extensive. So, like, they clearly did their homework. And I know that Ryan Poles, when we talked to him on January 10th, made it seem like he was going to be more involved in the hiring process of of the coaches, along with Matt Eberflus and obviously Kevin Warren in there too. But 
it's I think they really did their homework. And Shane Waldron was that first name, like the Wednesday night after the season-ending press conference, his name was the first one that surfaced as uh, someone they wanted to interview. He comes from one of the more successful coaching trees in the NFL right now. Certainly that scheme, which is quarterback friendly, is has a lot, um, you know, a lot of appeal. And I think that for those reasons, given what we don't know about the quarterback situation for next year, that the Bears did a good job with this hire. Now, obviously, like when, we, when you know, people like myself, Pat Finley, everybody else who's been writing about, all right, what can you expect from a Shane Waldron offense? We can only go off of what, where he's been before. And all of those places haven't been with him calling the plays. So like the hardest thing you'll be able to, you can't really deduce just yet is where did Sean McVay stop and the Shane Waldron effect pick up. But what you can see from his time with the, with Washington to the Rams to Seattle is, is, you know, passing offenses that, that made a jump. And that's certainly one of like the key things with him as a play caller that the bears are hoping will be, you know, improved upon in 2024. Courtney, do you believe that this is an adaptable offense based on who they decide to go forward with a quarterback? Uh, how different would it, would it look with Justin under center versus Caleb Williams or Drake May or somebody else? I think that's, I mean, that's the beauty of it, that it is an, it's a quarterback-friendly scheme, whether it's Jared Goff running it with the Rams or Matthew Stafford running it with the Rams. And, you know, the similar things, like when, when Russell Wilson left, like you can take a look at Shane Waldron's three years with Seattle and see, like, the, it wasn't just like that the offense changed um, from 2021 to 2022. It was a departure of the quarterback that had the most, you know, the most significant uh, impact on why the offense was changing as much as it did for like how often they went under center, uh, where they were at in the shotgun, all of those things. Like there's a lot that carries over with the bears. I mean, his time in Seattle, they were 15th in uh drop back in plays that were run under center, 13th in play action, 11, 11th in motion at the snap. So like, those are numbers that are not all that far off from where the bears are. And I think that that's why Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, the people who made the decision to hire Shane Waldron, thought he was a great candidate because it's not a total departure from what they were running before in another offshoot of this Shanahan-McVay system. All right, now let's get your prediction. Let's get the drum roll. The last time we did this, where we went around in like town hall style, uh, and we polled uh, a bunch of people and asked them who the starting quarterback will be, Believe it or not, it was Nick Foles versus Mitch <laughs> Trubisky. I, what year was that? Was that the 20 season? Um, Tried to block that out of my yeah. memory. Uh, so it's tough. They all blend together. So, Courtney, who will the Bears starting quarterback be to start the 2024 season? I think it'll be Caleb Williams, and that's kind of the the decision I would have made independent of the offensive coordinator guys. And I know that that's not always the most popular opinion in this this town, but I just, I find it very hard to believe that a team can trade out of the number one overall pick back-to-back years. And when you take a look at where Caleb Williams is right now, he projects as a better pro prospect. But I'm sure Shane Waldron, in his interviews, with um, you know, with the Bears brass has a plan for both of them, which is what's going to keep this thing so intriguing for the next couple months if they can avoid tipping their hand. Do you think that was part of the interview process? Okay, here's two scenarios. Justin is absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, way. they. I really do believe what Ryan Poles told us two weeks ago that 
they're going to try to take this up as far as they can. I don't think it'll be all the way to the draft, but you know that you have to have a plan for both quarterbacks because if the team already knew what it was going to do, it would have either moved on from Justin Fields or traded the pick already, which certainly they're not in a position to do either of those things just yet. So making sure you have somebody who has a great plan because like, let's, let's say pontificate this for me with a, for a minute. Like if they have the idea that they want to keep, you know, stay with Justin Fields, like, all right, we're dead set. Here's like the plan for Justin Fields. Like we're sticking with him. What if they get an offer they can't refuse in two weeks? Like you can't, you can't all of a sudden, like the plan that you have for Justin, like goes out the window and you're like, well, I guess I'll come up with one for Caleb Williams. Like, they better have been sure right. that both that you know every candidate that they interviewed for this thing had as good of a plan for one quarterback as they do for another. Hey, by the way, maybe somebody gets Mel Kiper Jr. crazy and gives you the eighth pick, and if that's the case, <laughs> you run. By the way, my suggestion to you, Courtney, based on your answer, is put your phone in a shoebox for about two days because they're going to come after you for your statement. Oh, I know, yeah. I know. It's just yeah, this is a good, this is a good time for Xanax and just like relaxing <laughs> for the rest of the day. Like I just can't deal with it. Courtney, great stuff. We'll Thanks, talk Courtney. to you Thanks here you shortly. Thank you. Yeah. There's you. Courtney Cronin does great work. All right, let's go to Dion Miller. Does great work for ABC7. You also hear her, Peggy and Dion, 11 o'clock Saturday mornings. And she did a great job for, on the Bears pregame shows uh, on, on the network with me and Lance Briggs. Uh, Dion joins us on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. What's going on? First of all. I'm so mad at you guys. Uh-oh. Why on earth would you have me follow Courtney? Like, seriously. Like, I, I, she's smarter than me. Like, I know that already. I'll give my opinion. She's smarter than all of us, but yeah, we still must. We must soldier on. We must soldier on, Dion. What are you saying? And are you saying, like, you want to be the opener? I mean, and, that's, and it's yes. not. Like, I mean, uh, we, we find you all equally smart. That's how we, we look at it. Okay. All right. Well, then let's go with it. The drum roll makes me a little bit nervous. Oh, yes. But let's go with it. And I know how you feel. And I know how you can be influenced, by the way, too. Oh, so shut up. That, that, that <laughs> I know about you. That I know about you. All right. I think that was more offensive of a comment than actually having you second versus first, to be honest with you. So, what do you make, Dion, of the hiring of Shane Waldron? Um, I, I I find it fascinating that he is that, that first candidate that it seems like they really interviewed, and he must have made a very solid impression. I agree with Courtney. He has to have a plan for whoever they have at quarterback, but he has to be adaptable, and they have to like the, the way that he uh, thinks about his, or his ability to adjust, his in-game ability to adjust, his ability to adjust depending on who the quarterback is or around the personnel that he has. That was a key point they said in that press conference. And it seems like that's the kind of coach that he is. The minimal things that I've like researched about him is just how he's been able to kind of adjust, do that, just do just that based on the quarterback that he has and setting them up for success. I, so I'm, I guess, I guess it's good. He doesn't have to be, I'm not looking for my offensive coordinator to be this big, bold personality that every week he walks in and every word he says is something that we gotta, we gotta hang our hat on. I want him to call plays. I'm so glad he has experience doing that. That's, that's a step up, I think. And I, and I want him to set the offense up for success on Sunday. And he doesn't have to be this fiery personality. He doesn't have to be big and bold. They don't have a lot of those big personalities at House Hall. I don't think some big, um, loud guy would fit in with Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles right now. So I think it's, it's a good, solid selection for the direction that they're going. What was the best thing that you, in your research, Dion, that you recognized about Shane Waldron that you liked besides being a play caller in, in the last three years? 
Well, I think what what he did with Geno Smith was remarkable. I mean, you just saw Geno flounder uh, in the different places that he was at and just not kind of find his footing. And to, to have a coach who was able to – not to like increase his confidence and then have it carry over onto the field and to do what he did and have the success that he did. I think that's the most been the most impressive part of of what Shane Waldron was able to do. Interesting. Interesting. I think it's going to be I'm filling out his his offensive staff, I think is going to be very interesting as well mm-hmm. with regard to quarterbacks coach. All right, what is your prediction right, for wait, 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 wait. let's get that put that there we go. We had to Dumb build that up for her. <laughs> Just what you wanted, right, Court or uh Dion? Yeah, uh, just sure. what you want. Um, so, so the question is, who is starting on opening day of twenty twenty four this upcoming football season? Yeah, I think it's Justin Fields. Ooh, you just don't want the heat. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I can identify with that, though. I can identify with that. Now, why? Tell us why. Because they're so into continuity they're so that they said it so many times we like the direction that we're going we i just i listened to that press conference more than once which may mean i need to find more things to do with my life but i wanted to just hear how they talked about justin and how they described the kind of quarterback that they want and they described him being a leader in the locker room and and who he is as a person before the tape and all of that stuff it was like they that's what they looked at i I think that they're sticking with him right now. I really do. Like, I I could see that happening, too. It is important Mm -hmm. to them. It was important to them with Eberflus. It's important to them, I think, Mm -hmm. what DJ Moore thinks. It's important to them Mm -hmm. what that defense thinks, what Montez Sweat thinks. And, Selby, you and I know, we've talked to Lance about the importance of the chemistry in the locker room and feeling like you're building something and not wanting to disrupt that. I, I think that's part of the reason they stuck with flutes. Yep. Good stuff, Dion. Thank, Thank you, Dion. <laughs> you guys are the best. Thanks. So, yeah, there's Dion Miller, uh, ABC 7, and of course, ESPN 1000. It's bringing Patrick Finley. He does a great job for the Sun Times. Uh, it's always a joy to see him at the in the halls of uh, Hallis Hall. Or Very happy. The, always a happy guy. Yeah, or at uh, Soldier Field. I ran into him with, uh, with my sons as well. What's going on, Pat? How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm also feeling pretty excited about this drum roll. If Dion gets a drum roll at the end, I get one too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is it's part of the have, drill. We can give you the drum roll before we ask you the Shane Waldron question as well. Why don't you do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we go. So, Patrick, how do you feel about the hiring of Shane Waldron as the Bears' new OC? I think it's about as good as they could have possibly done, and, and that's not that's not because of Shane. <laughs> Go ahead. Go. I'm letting the horns go. I'm letting the horns go. And that's not because Shane has the world's greatest resume, but I think that he has an experience level that the Bears really needed here. They couldn't take a first-time play caller. They needed to take somebody who could be something closer to the head coach of the offense uh, than Luke Getzey was, and I think Shane Waldron fits uh, both of those uh, to a T. Uh, you know, one thing that I wanted to know, and it's something that I've brought up to Waddle before, that Ryan Poles watched in Kansas City Andy Reid have a big impact on their personnel decisions. It's cool to have Brett Veach there, um, but it's also important to have a head coach who knows what the hell he wants um, on the offense, what he needs on the offense, when to take wide receivers that could mesh, or when like he needed the thumbs up when to draft the quarterback. It was more than just Veach saying, yes, this is our quarterback. They needed Andy Reid's approval. 
I don't think that's Matt Eberflus for him. So how much of an impact will Shane Waldron have in the quarterback decision in your estimation? Uh, I presume a, a good amount. I mean, the reason that Matt Eberflus doesn't have the pull that Andy Reid has is because there aren't a lot of people walking the earth like Andy Reid. Andy Reid's one of the, what, five best coaches ever, seven best coaches ever, something like that. He deserves to have that say. Matt Eberflus hasn't done nearly enough to do that. I presume Waldron's going to have a pretty good say in what they do uh, at quarterback. You know, that is if you think that it's still a question. I mean, when I was parsing what Ryan Pohl said uh, at the end of season press conference, it sounds to me like he's checking on Caleb Williams off the field. Uh, and that, you know, the implication to me at least was that his on the field work uh, was pretty unimpeachable. And, you know, if you watch film of him and if you look at the stats, uh, you know, it doesn't take long to realize that this guy's doing stuff in college that not a lot of quarterbacks have done in the last decade. Patrick, do you have a kind of a feel for how you believe that Shane Waldron would have responded to the question, which quarterback would you be more willing to move forward with? I don't have a feel as to which guy he would take, but I'd say this. I mean, you know, he brought Russell Wilson or he inherited Russell Wilson when he was uh, in Seattle, and then he uh, took Geno Smith. Those are two very different kinds of quarterbacks. One of them had been nothing but successful before he got there, and the other had been <laughs> never successful, rarely successful, uh, before taking over as the starter, and he managed to work well with both of them. I, I, you know, I'm not comparing uh, either of them to Caleb Williams or Justin Fields, but, but you know, he has shown that he can make it work with more than one guy. And, you know, when you compare that to Luke Getze, who had only really known life as Aaron Rodgers' quarterbacks coach, I mean, that's a pretty big difference. Keep in mind, uh, Shane Waldron has coached more Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the last three years than the Bears have had since 1964. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> so that's a pretty, I mean, that's a pretty good place to start, I, you, I think. is. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, you believe one option or the other carries more more pressure or more risk? Does, is there more risk associated with moving forward with Justin, if you are Shane Waldron, or the first pick of the draft? I think there's more risk in moving forward with Justin. I, I think that uh, you have to look at Caleb Williams and, and believe that his success uh, could get you a head coaching job here in the next year or two. I'm not sure that you know being the guy to turn Justin around is quite the fast path to, uh, to being the head coach somewhere else. Uh, you know, Justin's learning a third offense in four years if he stays here. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if I were the offensive coordinator and if I had my pick, and, and I'm just speaking for myself, I, I think Caleb Williams offers uh, the best upside and probably uh, less pressure than trying to be the guy to figure out Justin Fields. All right, now the real drum roll. Let's roll it here for uh, Patrick Finley. All right, who will be the Bears starting quarterback for 2024? Caleb Williams. Why do you think they'll stay at number one and choose Caleb Williams? I think he's awesome, number one. <laughs> you know, if you look at college quarterbacks uh, good in the last 15 years, yeah, I mean, in the last 15 years, what, is somewhere, you know, the conversation is Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, and him, probably, uh, if you're talking about, you know, the guys who appear to be sure things. Now, the word appear is key here because Ryan Poles is going to try and learn all he can about him, and if he sees something he doesn't like, uh, he will have the option to stick with Justin, you know, I've been telling people, I think what Justin did in the second half of the season was he made the idea of sticking with Justin next year not a ridiculous one. He didn't make it the more likely one, and I'm not sure he made it the best option, but he made it, you know, a potential option, which is something that we couldn't have said at the midway point of the season. I just think Caleb Williams is too skilled. 
and offers too much of uh, a window for the Bears, both uh, from a salary cap standpoint and from just the pos- you know the potential of building something really special. I think here. Ev- uh, everyone that we've talked to has the same kind of perspective as did Greg Olson yesterday. Look, if the Bears are picking eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, this isn't even a conversation. The fact is, is they have at their disposal the number one overall selection again this year, and they have the option to move forward and pivot if they'd like to. Yeah, and how awesome is it that they do? I mean, Bears fans who are you know ripping each other's hair out yes. in these in these in these debates. I think they all need to take a step back and, and realize that choice is good. And at the end of the day, if you're going to have either Caleb Williams or Justin Fields plus four years worth of awesome draft capital that you got for trading the pick, boy, those are two really good options and, and a lot more interesting than anything. You know, this has been my what tenth season here. This is as interesting and as compelling and as optimistic of a problem to have as the Bears have had since I got here, for sure. Patrick, great stuff. We appreciate it. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Thank you, guys. There's Patrick Finley. He's right, and like, that's one thing that we've tried to stress is that this is a great problem to have. It's going to be a tough choice, but it's like you have every card at the poker table. You, you know, you've got every card. And, and like, they're, you, you've had way worse decisions you've had to make before um it doesn't mean that it's all going to work out i don't know maybe there's a better analogy because if you had every card you can't lose the hand there's still a way the bears can lose but you have really you have a really great hand right now a really good start um potsy joins us right now mark potash from the sun times joins us on the car x tire and auto hotline um we're bringing you on to ask you who is going to be the next coach of depaul Wow. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm joking. I haven't thought of Paul too much lately. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, Mark Aguirre? It makes, it makes, it makes a couple of us. How about D. Brown? What about D. Brown? I don't know much about his uh, coaching, but if he coaches like he plays, I'm all for it. Yeah. All right. So what did you make? You how many, Have you calculated, too, how many offensive coordinators you have covered on the Bears beat? Uh, no, I don't really uh, spend my offseason thinking of stuff like that, Sylvie, but... Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's probably in double digits. Yes, it, it's incredible. Um, all right, so what did you make of, of the Shane it's Waldron? It's 11. It's 11. Okay. I can tell you that right now. They're yeah. 11. It has double digits. All right, so what, what do you make of uh, the hiring of Shane Waldron? I think it's a good hire. I think it's the best. I, uh, relative to the way the Bears have done business, I think it was a really professional, standard uh, search and a good can the you know arguably the best possible candidate. I think it gives them it's you know there's no certainty you know you guys, I don't have to tell you guys success and failure in the NFL is so circumstantial for almost every coach but Andy Reid. Uh, so who knows how this is going to work out? But they've given themselves with the you know with with, the, with what they have going for them now offensively and defensively. They've given themselves with Shane Waldron you know a really good chance to have success. So I think. Uh, I think I think he checked a lot of boxes for what they for what they were looking for, including the flexibility on the Fields Williams question or any quarterbacks. Like that's really what they were looking for. They didn't want to be able to have to commit to one or the other. And I think he was at the top of the list of guys who gave them that flexibility. And I think that makes that that in itself makes it uh, for the, for the circumstances they were under makes it makes it a really a, a pretty good hire. Let's put it that way. Speculate for us, Patsy. Why was this an attractive destination for Shane Waldron? 
Well, because I feel like a guy like that, especially with the work he uh, work he did with Geno Smith, feels like he can't lose. He's got to feel like, hey, if they want if they want me to work with Justin Fields, I can fix that guy because he's better than Geno Smith. And I also think if they got the number one pick in the draft. It's going to be Caleb Williams, who's a you know supposedly possible generational talent. Uh, the downside is. Uh, is 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 minimal relative to probably other opportunities he foresaw himself getting. So I, I think, yeah, that, I think that was I think it was a, probably a, a fairly easy pick for him because everybody loves the quarterback and the Bears quarterback situation offensively. Just the, their quarterback situation, really pretty good right now, especially for the Bears. All right, so uh, do you, uh, let let's get the drum roll for Potsy. You 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 have a tendency to go oppo. Um, I don't know. Where, I have no Michael clue which yeah, Yes. Look, I, I could see him going with someone different than anyone has mentioned so far. Who is going to be the Bears' starting quarterback to start the 2024 season? Caleb Williams. Wow. Okay, three to one. And that's a starting point for us there. Why? Why Caleb Williams? I was I was so tempted to say Nathan Peterman, but I, I know I, you were. That's why I said <laughs> Michael Penix. Potsy being Potsy. Why? Why Caleb? Well, I think he's a better prospect. I think they'll have him on a rookie contract. I think that's a factor. They don't have to give. They, they won't have to take give, give out a Daniel Jones type contract. I think that's a factor. He doesn't have to be retrained. I know this offense is probably uh, uh, is probably you know not that much of a transition, but I think uh, I think transitions have been problematic with uh, um, with with Field Justin Fields, and I think uh, you got a guy you can start with a, a you know kind of a, a raw prospect. I think you have to you know to retrain him. I think that's a factor. I just think the upside is I, I think I think the upside is is uh, is too much to pass up. But I will say, I mean, who knows if the you know the deal based on the deal they got last year. The deal they're going to get, they're going to get this year for the number one pick is going to be um, is going to be even better. And uh, but that should also tell you that hey, maybe that's the guy this year as opposed to last year. That should tell you that maybe that's the guy we should be taking instead of trading it because they're still going to you know you know. I just think it's I just think that's going to I, I just think Williams is just going to be the is just going to be the uh, they're going to say overall the, the just the better prospect uh, and and better chance for success long term. Patsy, uh, off the, the topic of Caleb Williams or the coordinator, what is your perspective on the job security of Matt Eberflus? Well, that's an interesting question because uh, I was uh, uh, I was saying that you know I think this year I t- tweeted out earlier today just mentioning about how like with the with the line, with the way the Lions and Packers are going and with the Bears, I say everybody I think this is going to be one of those years where all four teams in the NFC North. Are going to be in like playoffs or bust mode, uh, and so. But then the pushback was like, "Well, no, with a rookie quarterback, uh, that might that might restart the clock for for I don't know, I don't maybe for the Bears, but maybe for Eberflus." And I'm not sure about that. You know, the Bears have the Bears have let coaches go after after a, a, a quarterback's rookie year before the last two times, in fact. So um, I think he's still got to win, even with even even if he has a rookie quarterback. I don't think that affects the quarterback decision, um, uh, but I do think. But yeah, no, he's on the hot seat. If that's what you're asking, yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know that he's been given. A, you know, like a you know, if you draft a rookie quarterback, you'll get two years because things can get pretty bad around here, and, and uh, as you know, and if things get pretty bad next year, 
then you know they probably have to make a change. So I'd say he this is a, this is a, a prove it year for for Matt Eberflus. I think he has to win. They they have to win in my estimation nine games. Nine games in the arrow on the offense has to be pointed up. Rookie yeah, quarterback yeah, was, or not, yeah. like they have to yeah. take a step offensively. They have to win more games. They have an improved, like they're going to have an improved roster any way you slice it. They're going to have uh, more draft capital. They're going to have more um, salary cap capital. They're going to be on paper a better team. And, and, and because of the way they blew the amount of games, they went 0 for 2 against the Packers. They collapsed in three of those games. Uh, that, those are five right there. Like, if they don't go from seven to, at the very least, nine. Like, my expectation is nine or ten, and then the arrow pointing up on offense. They've, that's, that's the starting point for the Bears. Uh, I agree 100%, Sylvie. I think there's a very fine needle to thread for Eberflus to not make the playoffs and still be the coach in 2025. Like, you know, if they do win nine games but just miss the playoffs, kind of like the Lions did, with the rookie, whether with the quarterback really playing well, uh, but you know, there anything less than that, uh, and, and I think they're, I think they're going to be, uh, they're going to, they would be in line for a change. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think, yeah, I think this is a, this is a prove it win, you know, playoff win player. You know, seven teams make the playoffs now; it's easier. So, yes. um, you know, so I think uh, you know, playoffs is that's not the job saver. I think that people probably thought it, it might be. But the expectations are are the same, and and uh, no matter how many teams are in there. So no, I would say the I, I just agree 100. percent I think Eberflus is going to have to uh, win. I'd say nine games, and maybe even make the playoffs, uh, wow. regardless Ooh. of whose quarterback is to be to stick around another year. Here's Guys. hoping that it happens because Guys. if in fact they have to pivot again after drafting a quarterback first overall, and then well, you're resetting it yeah. again with with another coaching staff. Well, yeah, that's why. Like they could, in my estimation, if they win nine and don't go to the playoffs, as long as there's some arrow pointing up. But think about in the NFC playoffs this year, how many teams did we have circled as a rebuilding team that made the playoffs? Like many people thought the Bucks were a rebuilding team getting rid of Tom Brady. Many, many people thought the Packers were a rebuilding team. Many people thought the Rams. Even in midway through the season, the Rams. People were talking about trading Aaron Donald. That the Rams were a rebuilding team. There were at least three teams of the seven that were in the rebuild category that made the playoffs and were pretty good. Like... And yeah, and if you look at uh, yeah, obviously what C.J. Stroud did with Houston, which I yeah. insist everybody wants to kind of uh, revisionist history of what kind of team of Houston course. was coming in, but they were the Bears, except for Laramie Tunsil, they were the Bears yes. coming in, and and look what they did. And you can say, well, they're just one in a million. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, they have the same, they had pretty much the same circumstances with the, as the Bears did, like I said, with the exception of an outstanding tackle. Uh, and they, and that's that, to me that's 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 repeatable. That's not like trying to ask a, to repeat like a Shanahan offense thing or anything like or McVeigh or anything like that. That that's pretty repeatable, I think. And I think that I think that's a, as good a standard as any as far as what expectations. But you're right. Look at all the teams that that that, uh, that do uh, that thought they were rebuilding and did, made more of it. And so I think that's a fair expectation, you know, for the Bears in 2024. But you know, the good thing is. For the Bears, is you know they have a lot more things going their way than they did uh, in, in, in previous non-playoff years. I mentioned that to you before. You know, with their defense, uh, their offensive line is, is closer than they were. Their offense, their, their weapons are better. They have a, 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 a receiver in DJ Moore 
good starting point, and they're going to have at least a number nine pick that they can kind of parlay into a higher pick. Really like that uh, Justin Fields to New England uh, for the three. Uh, oh, yeah. that, uh, that The fan in me, I guess, uh, it was, uh, yeah, if they, if they could make that deal, um, you know, go ahead or, or, you know, maybe, I don't know, trade you, Fields would you to drive, Mel Kuyper. Would you drive but, uh, Justin to New England if, in fact, that offer was, and how would that conversation go for the 15-hour drive between you and Justin? Oh, boy. Oh, I don't know. Justin's I'm bad conversation for anybody. Yeah, a bad conversation for anybody in a car. So Not us. I don't know if that would that would that probably wouldn't work out well. But I like Justin. If he stays, I think it'd be great. But yeah, I think that's a deal the Bears uh, would certainly be interested in. Whenever you see that on the internet or whatever, that deal that's that's the one that's always really intriguing because at number three you can get you should be able to get Marvin Harrison Jr. And boy, what what a haul that would be. That would be comparable to C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Yeah, and that's really what you got to repeat. Uh, is is what Houston did with getting two top five picks, and um, that would that 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 would fit the formula, and I think that that would be a best case scenario for the Bears. All right, Potsy, great stuff. Thank you. Thanks, Potsy. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you again. All right, a, a good work. And three one two three three two three seven seven six. What'd you think? We had three for Caleb, one for Justin Fields. We're going to talk to guys like Adam Johns and J Mac. Got to put Peggy on. Get some others who could not uh, make it today. We'll do this another day, too, and continue to keep tabs on uh, this question as we move closer to the draft. Steve uh, on Sheridan, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Steve? What would you think of uh, what the reporters had to say? Well, I'm hoping they're wrong. Um, and, and I'll preface this by saying that I'm a, a Michigan fan, so it pains me to, to say I want Justin Fields to stay. But if, if you look at like the Philadelphia Eagles, is an example that I, I keep thinking of, because I'm not a big Jalen Hurts fan, but they had an unbelievable offensive line. We don't have that. And I feel championship teams, of if you go back 20 years, they all have in common great offensive lines. Um, so Ryan Pace being an offensive lineman himself, I think he knows that. So I'm hopeful that we trade the first pick, we get a, a King's ransom, we build the offensive line, we somehow find a way to get up the number three to get Marvin Harrison to give – Justin Fields a weapon for his final year, and then we pay the man if he becomes who he potentially could be. If not, we at least have an offensive line to throw somebody behind there like a Trent Dilfer that can manage a game and get us to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's listen, I, it may be the route they go. If they're not comfortable with their evaluation of these guys, yes. they may. I think a really interesting conversation point is as if, in fact, they decide to move forward with Justin, whether or not they'll even pick up his fifth-year option. Yes. Yes, and then the Godfather offer too. Like, how much of a role does that play in? And it, like, if if they really, really like Caleb Williams, like you know, if they love him, they're probably going to draft him. Yeah. But if they really, really love the Godfather offer, an offer they can't refuse to trade down, could they then bypass? Drafting Caleb Williams at one. I don't think there's an offer that you could receive that actually would get you off of a quarterback if you believe he is a franchise-caliber quarterback. If you believe he's a franchise-caliber quarterback, I don't believe there's any offer that could get you off. Could you move off of a guy that you really, really like versus an offer that you love? Do you know what I mean? Like, If you love Caleb Williams, you're going to draft him. Yes. If you deem him the next Mahomes, that's what your evaluation says, you draft him. If you really, really like him, but you've got questions, there are still questions just like you have about anybody, but you really, really like him, 
But then someone calls and you're like, oh, do I love this offer. I love this offer. And this is just, could you move off of him for that? And if, if you're not 100% sold on him, for sure. Like if you that, have doubts, absolutely. If you don't have doubts or in, you know, in this particular industry, if, you know, I don't know that there's ever 100% certainty on anything. But if you're like, look, this is a generational guy and I got to have him, you're not coming off of it. If you're somebody that comes away a little itchy and scratchy about a certain aspect of the process, then I think that there is an opportunity definitely for them to move forward with Justin and build your roster. Uh, Mike and Skokie, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mikey? Hi. Uh, I enjoy listening to you guys all the time. Um, I'm not sold on Caleb Williams or any of the people who've been mentioned at the top, Drake May, um, Michael Penix. Caleb Williams, I watched a number of his games, and every time there was a big game, he lost, especially like the Notre Dame game. He was like a deer in the headlights. And same with Penix in the championship game, the national championship. Drake May was 8-5. and five. If I was going to take anybody, it'd be Jaden Daniels. Um, but I really like the idea of getting Marvin Harrison, like uh, like like Patsy said. That that would be, you know, that would be great. Um, but you know, these quarterbacks in the draft. If you look at the at what's happened in the past, it's about even in terms of them being actually less the you know a few of them become stars, you know, and then the rest of them are good, okay, or busts in about equal numbers. It's no matter how good somebody looks in college, it's still a gamble. And you know, a gamble. Caleb has not come through in the big moments, so I am not a fan of his. Well, like, did Caleb not come through in the big moments? And sure, everyone's got bad games, or did USC? Like, uh, you know, again, Cap was doing the going back to some of the Twitter hot takes people had about Patrick Mahomes, and I remember them in real time. Like, Patrick Mahomes, what was he, sub 500 in his last year? Like they well, I, don't th- I don't think Cliff Kingsbury ever had a winning season at Texas Tech. So yeah, the answer would I think would be yes. He he was under five hundred. He can't win. He, he what major program did he ever uh, beat in his in his college career? So like a lot had had been said about that sort of stuff. Like, can you really measure what a quarterback's going to be on an NFL level with a with a high skill set? Based on what the team did in college, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not saying one way or another. I, don't, I like my answer is I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a talent evaluator. These are not 100 percent certainties attached to any of this. There's a certain degree of good fortune that is attached to all of these evaluations. Will and Peoria. Yeah, wouldn't be bad. Will, hello. Hey guys. What's hey going guys, on? You there? Yeah. Hey, who, who are you well, talking listen, to? In all due respect, this is Will from Peoria. Yeah. Who are you talking to? Oh, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm shopping. Oh, um, what are you shopping so, for? Some travel stuff. Oh. So I get on the plane and get out of Chicago and go somewhere. Good move. Where, where, where are you move. going? Houston. Oh, okay. So, I'm going to check out Houston. Too bad they didn't. They couldn't make it. Otherwise, I'd be checking out the, the Texans game. So, guys, real quick, and all due respect to your last caller, what, what, what's the purpose of getting a King's Ransom for the number one pick? When do we want the Bears to do well? At 2028? 2029? No, the time is now. We have got to draft a quarterback now. Now is the time. we got to get something for Justin Fields, trade him to somebody else, go with this new offensive coordinator. we got to roll the dice. If it doesn't work, 
Bears fans, like myself, and millions of others will forgive the team if it doesn't work. But we have to try. There's no kicking the can down the road anymore. When is the last time the Bears had back-to-back number one picks? You can't remember because none of us were alive. (laughs) I don't recall. Certainly not in my lifetime, Will. Right. Exactly. So, Tommy, you played. Tell me what is more important on a football team than the quarterback. You get a good quarterback. He's good for 10 years if well, he doesn't get hurt. I mean, look, it, it's the most impo- in my opinion, it's the most important position in all of professional sports. Safe travel so, as well. So, look, if you get it right, yeah. I mean, you, you're all gassed up and ready to go. Um, but there's no certainty with any of this. I, I mean, look, there's, there's risk in moving forward with Justin. What if you move forward with Justin and you make that trade and then all of a sudden the progress you were hoping for doesn't pan out and then... Whether it's Caleb Williams or it's Drake May goes on and performs really well and shows you that he's on an arc like C.J. Stroud. I mean, there's risk with everything. 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 There's risk with drafting a wide receiver at nine. You know, like Mel's mocks out today. Like there was Mel's mock is you got Caleb Williams and the wide receiver from Washington. Like there was there was risk with Kevin White. You know, there there's been there's that manifests itself in disaster. Yeah, I mean, there's risk with everything, with all these guys. Um, yes, I like that's that's my challenge. I just get I, it right. I, get it right. Get, I, like never have they gotten the quarterback right in the draft. They drafted who? Cade McNown, Rex Grossman, uh, is, Justin Fields, Mitch Trubisky. This is what I want them to do. I want them if they do all of their work and they come to the conclusion definitively. That Caleb Williams or Drake May is better and the right option than I want them to draft him. If they conversely go through the entire process in an exhaustive fashion and they still have significant doubts, then I want them to trade the pick and move forward and still give yourself some flexibility to move in a different direction at the quarterback position if, in fact, the, the next year of progress doesn't take place. It's, to me, the evaluation process is difficult. The decision for me is easy. If you're convinced, you draft him. If you're not, you move forward with Justin and you build your team. Right. There's someone uh, that someone says in the Twitch chat that there is no risk on. I want to bring him up to you and see if you agree. Uh, all your phone calls based on uh, what you just heard with all the reporters weighing in and making their predictions. 332-3776 plus Will Bond joining us at 5. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. Listen to the show in HD at 100.3 HD2 FM. Listen now on ESPN 1000. This is Waddle and Sylvie, ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Someone uh, brought up in the Twitch chat that they think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the risk-free pick. Do you agree? I would say he's probably the, the one player, regardless of position, who has the least amount of risk attached to him. We uh, we talked to uh, our guy, too. But uh, that doesn't connect the dots for me, because if you went Marvin Harrison Jr., it doesn't eliminate the risk 
that Justin exists with Justin moving forward. There's still risk that the development, the improvement that you're hoping for doesn't take place. Marvin Harrison may help, but it doesn't guarantee that Justin gets to where you want to go. Right. Like a lot of people say, well, you still trade down to three. You get one of those two teams to trade up to one um, or, or, you know, you you trade down to two or three. And you get one of those two teams to trade up to one. You get a haul for that. You and then you still get the player you want, and you still get more picks. In which you could either then take another quarterback to then sit behind Justin, or you keep building your team, or or you then cash those picks in in future years. I'm going one of two ways. I'm 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 going either with the the number one overall pick, or I'm going with with Justin. Like uh, to me, there's I don't I don't look at it as there's a hybrid situation. I just wouldn't go that way. But I haven't looked at all the quarterbacks yet. Well, Harrison could be part of the Justin. He could uh, the Justin puzzle where yeah. you go down to three. Uh, you know, uh, one of the teams uh, who's at three right now is it uh, Washington or is New it New England? England? New England. So New England comes up to number one. You get them to to give you a ton. They take uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, Washington goes and takes another quarterback at two, and then you take Marvin Harrison Jr. at three, and then you also have now more draft picks right going forward, and then you kick the can down the road. Like Will didn't want to hear, and that, but yet you you give Justin another year to show you if he can do it, uh, and then if he does, you're in business. If he doesn't, then you're in the quarterback draft next year. That's why I think if that's the path you go, I would question seriously why you would pick up the fifth year option if you're not a hundred percent sold and you're still looking for that prove it type year. Why would I tie myself to anybody? For another $23 million. And if, in fact, he proves to you that he's the guy and you can't get a long-term deal done with him, then you franchise him for, what, three years? Or, at that point, if it doesn't work out, you move on from him. Now, at that point, you will have foregone the opportunity to trade him because he's right. out of contract. Right. So, I mean, there's there's risk involved with any direction that you go. Right. And this year you could trade him at his height. Yes. Uh, Keith and Glenn Allen, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Keith? Hey, how you guys doing today? We're good. So, I think that Justin Fields is a pretty good quarterback, but I think there's too much emotional investment in the city of Chicago. Um, you know, he was the fourth quarterback taken in the draft. He was the second-best quarterback in that draft class. He made one of the worst seasons in Bears history, actually somewhat watchable. Um, but he's not a very good thrower of the football still. He has not developed that part of his game, and it's really hard to hate him. He, he's fun to watch. He's athletic. He makes games fun. But he has not really continued that development as a thrower of the football. I think that's where we're struggling as a city is the fact that there, there's not many negatives against him. There's not a reason to dislike him, but we're, we're just kind of holding on to that what if when the, the, the clock is running out. It's basically over at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there's a good point to be made with regard to resetting the clock, and I wouldn't dispute that. But for me, that's secondary. And I know what, what Greg Olson said. To me, it's belief in one yeah, guy. In Caleb Williams. Yes. Like I, that's, the most simplistic way. You've summed it up the best. Because if I'm, if I'm waffling, like I want this to be a cut-and-dry decision for my general manager. I'm going with Caleb Williams. It's not a shot at Justin. He's done some really nice things, but I believe this guy can take us where we want to go, and I'm defiant about that, and I'm definitive about that. If you're waffling at all, I don't want you to go there. I want you to stick with what you have and try to build your team. So, um, like, again, it's it's the, the decision is easy. The evaluation process is the difficult part. Yep. Uh, that's a really good, easy way to put it, that if you believe in Caleb Williams – you're drafting him. Um, 312-332-3776. Will Bond has been criticized a bunch uh, in the last 24 hours for a take he had on PTI. Does he care? I think I know the answer to that. Um, and we'll, we'll have him weigh in on the new offensive coordinator hire. We'll talk some Bulls. Will the Bulls blow this thing up? That was a tough loss last night. So there's a lot to talk about with Will Bond. It's all next.